Are you experiencing disconnection in your relationship? Do you feel like you're constantly struggling with the same unresolved issues? Are you having difficulty managing strong emotions? Or would you just like to know a little bit more about therapy? We've got you covered. Welcome back to Spilling the Therapy with therapist Kathy Dan Moore and grief coach Jess Lowe. Hey, Kathy Dan. Hey, Jess. How's it going? It's going. <laughs> I feel yeah. like today is Monday. Um, you know, I just, it's just been a wild day today. Um, Monday really? was pretty, yeah, Monday was pretty calm. So I, I probably should have like expected it to just be busy today. I think with the holiday season. Um, we had a lot of people calling in today, so yeah, yeah. yeah the How are you? Always weird time. Yeah, you know? yeah. When people For say, sure. so you're gonna hear. I'm gonna let everybody know. You're probably gonna hear some more background noise. I decided to go and have laser skin treatment on my age spots, so I'm home nursing my now somewhat battered looking forehead <laughs> while my dogs are clip, clip, clipping around on the hardwood floor behind me. So you might hear children, dogs, a cat, maybe a husband. So there might be some background noise today. That is completely fine. My dogs are currently napping, um, but I, I just gave them all their treats and all that so that they'll go lay down. They were just staring at me for the past 35 minutes though. So, oh. <laughs> So what's new? Graduated so, daughter. I have a graduated daughter, which is crazy. It was wonderful. And then she and I went to New York City this past weekend, which was amazing. We saw a show. Everything was amazing. Like, I love New York. And yeah. we felt like so capable as we navigated the subway system. We got to see my niece, Lauren, which was awesome. We saw her twice. Wow. So that was really wonderful. And then we went to see, um, I have a client who I adore and she recommended going to see Anne Juliet. Uh-huh. And I thought if I'm going to trust any client on advising me what to do, I would trust her. And she was right. That show was amazing. Cool. Amazing. Did you guys see any shows when you were up in New York? No, Jason's not really a show person. And I caught COVID like the day I got to New York. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So the shows that I caught were my eyelids. (laughs) The backs of my (laughs) eyelids. You need a do-over. That's what I told him because we we came to the consensus, sorry, New York, but we were like, we don't like it. But I think it was because I was so miserable and delirious that I yeah. I didn't, ha- it didn't get a good chance. So one day I'll go back. <laughs> yeah. You need a do-over because yeah. it's pretty amazing. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So what's new with you? Not too much. Just a lot of work right now, um, but I'm getting ready to go on a trip in June. So I'm really excited about that. It'll be my anniversary trip with my husband. So um, we're going to back to Boston and the Cape and uh, we're going to New Haven this time. So yeah, we're excited about that. Yeah, we've never been, um, but we love like the college campuses. Like, you know, we've done the Harvard campus and it's so beautiful and, and we've heard, 
Yeah. And we've heard Yale is just as amazing. So um, we're excited to go to go see this, the libraries and the art museums and things like that on campus. So we're excited about that. Yay! Yeah. I love the libraries on campuses too. Actually, the one of Lily and my favorite thing in New York was the, so anybody who listens that lives there and hasn't seen this go, um, but at the New York Public Library, they have yeah. an exhibit called Treasures and it was awesome. Like I loved it. And then yeah. we had a gift shop, which I'm a sucker for like a really good <laughs> gift shop. That's not like a gift shop at an airport, right? Like yeah. A gift shop at a museum. I can always yeah. find something, right? Yeah. So, um, and it had a really great gift shop. She and I both decided that we could be locked in for a month and be perfectly happy. There's That's snacks, cool. there's soda, water, a gift shop, books, and exhibits. There Done. you go. <laughs> yeah. I am I'm a sucker for books. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, are you ready to jump in? Today? Yeah, let's jump in. So this week we're going to talk about shame. Um, it has become more of a buzzword since Brene Brown introduced her research around shame and has published books on the topic. Um, the first thing that Brown covers is the distinction between guilt and shame because they're not the same thing. Guilt's considered to be adaptive and helpful. It's holding something we've done or failed to do up against our values and we experience psychological discomfort. But shame, on the other hand, is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. So in other words, something we've experienced, done or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. This isn't helpful or productive. Um, this makes shame a source of destructive, hurtful behavior rather than a solution or cure. Yeah. One of the examples I give clients when I'm talking about the difference between shame and guilt to help them understand and differentiate is like, say you forget to pick your kid up at school, which by the way, I have done to Finn once or twice. Um, and so you can feel really guilty that you forgot and thought somebody else, right? That's guilt. Mm -hmm. I need to set an extra reminder or time timer to get there. Um, but when you start to own it as a personal like representation of who you are as a person, which is I'm a bad mother. I forgot to pick my kid right. up from school. That's shame, right? I, so I like to give like, right. a little bit. And I love this takeaway on shame by Captain Diana Wong. So she is in the 36th Wing Sexual Assault Response Coordination for the Air Force. So she says, okay. I'm quoting this directly. She says, shame is that humongous, unspeakable elephant in the room. The one that suppresses us from innovation, creativity, worthiness, and even love. We have all felt it. And it's a pain that cuts deeper than physical pain. You may have met it before when acknowledged, it may have sounded like this. And here's some like quick examples. Shame is when I didn't make the promotion list. Shame is when my supervisor belittled me in front of a customer. Shame is not being able to afford to put food on the table. Shame is my depression. Shame is failing my PT test twice. And she was speaking to people in the military, obviously. Shame is losing patience with my child in public. Shame is revealing my weaknesses. So she points out a pattern um, the common resounding theme is that our fear of revealing ourselves to others. So the more we're mm -hmm. afraid of it, the more power it has over us. 
So yeah. shame and vulnerability, which is why Brene Brown does so much stuff around this, right? Go really hand mm-hmm. in hand. Yeah. Right. And, and according to Brown, there are 12 shame categories that she researched that are the most familiar in the human experience. Um, those include appearance and body image, which I feel like that is like number one for a reason, right? On our list. Oh my gosh. I feel like it's so universal. Don't you? Right. I, I do. Um, and then money and work is number two, mm-hmm. number three, motherhood and fatherhood. Oh, uh, Yes. <laughs> did I just make a guttural sound? For that you one? Did. Like, oh, yeah. And you know, forgetting your kid, like you mentioned, <laughs> not shameful. My my mom, she had three of us. She's trying to drop us off everywhere. And I remember she um one time brought, well, actually two years in a row, brought me and my sister back to school one day early <laughs> and dropped us oh. off and left us on the bench. And then by the time she got to my brother's school, realized, oh no. So look, it happens. <laughs> It happens. I, it happens. I remember I got the number, like the phone call from St. Paul's Catholic school pops up on my phone. I'm sitting in session and I'm like, and of course it dawns on me. Like, as I see the name, my pop up on my phone, I go, <laughs> uh Oh, and I pick up the phone. I go, hello. And I hear mom, <laughs> oh, little Finn. <laughs> I know. Oh goodness. <laughs> Yeah. So you're not, you're not, don't be shameful because that's, that happens. That happens. Um, so back to the list. Number four is family. Number five, parenting six, mental and physical health, Mm. um, which, you know, we have a lot of, you know, a lot of people that feel ashamed that they have certain, you know, mental disorders and it's something that they can't control. Um, right. So they, you know, right. and that's really sad to see. Um, addiction, number seven, number eight, sex. Uh, I was going to say um, on the addiction one, mm-hmm. that one is uh, like at the top of the list, right? Mm-hmm. Because I have so many clients I work with where we will skirt and skirt and skirt around substance use or gambling or whatever the yeah. addictive behavior is. And we've done an episode on this. So we know how we're defining addiction. Yep. And it is so hard for people to say the words out loud around I'm struggling with this. It might be an addiction. I don't know. That one's really, really, it shows yeah. up a lot in the therapy room. For sure. Sex, aging, religion, um, surviving trauma and being stereotyped and labeled. Yeah. Yeah. So the way to overcome shame, right? Because mm-hmm. that's the goal yeah. of what we want to talk about here right. is empathy, which is mm-hmm. driven by connecting with other people. So, um, Brene, can I call her Brene? Like you can, nice. you love her name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brene describes empathy as the ladder out of the shame hole. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember her being interviewed one time where she was talking about how, you know, when you walk over and you see somebody and they're down in a hole, right? And you go, oh my gosh, that's just terrible. Oh, I I feel so bad for you when they're in a tough situation versus when you walk over to somebody and you say, I've been there. You're not alone. I'm throwing this ladder down. I'll show you how to get out. Right. And the difference of how to respond, that's what empathy is, right? Right. Yeah. So um, what really resonates is that anyone has the ability to do it. We don't have Mm -hmm. to be a therapist, right? You don't need to have totally experienced it directly in order to relate. 
So when connecting with emotion that someone's experiencing, not the event or the circumstance, you are, you are showing empathy. Right. So now that we have kind of an idea of the elephant in the room and how it affects us, here's some of the strategies Mm -hmm. that we can use to try to pull ourselves out of like uh, what I call a shame spiral. So first is recognizing shame and understanding its Mm -hmm. triggers. So it's that internal painful feeling. So like, you know, when you physically feel like you're in the grips of shame, have you ever had that happen? Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I think just trying to, once you're speaking it out loud and you're able to understand where it's coming from. Therapy is really good for this. Um, You know, and you can set out expectations and awareness around the triggers. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. One is practicing critical awareness. So look at your own self-criticism, right? When, when I got the phone call about leaving my kid at school, I, I could have easily been like, oh my gosh, here's another sign of me being a terrible mother, right? Right. And that would be really sort of looking at it in a self-critical, I'm not a terrible mother, I forgot him. So doing a reality check on the messages that you're giving Mm -hmm. yourself and the expectations that are driving you to the shame is really important. Um, Then I've said this a lot of times, would you talk to somebody else Mm -hmm. the way that you're talking to yourself? Of course not. <laughs> right. We're, right. You know, we're always the hardest on ourselves. Uh, tell me about a few other ones. Yeah. So reaching out, like, are you owning and sharing your story? You know, we can't experience empathy if we're not connecting with others. Another profound way that Brene thinks about yeah. is if you own the story, you get to write the ending. This statement alone makes me feel like I'm in the driver's seat again. Like it's all I'm in control. And that's something that's really important too. Um, and then speaking. Yeah. Sh- you know, so being I'm going to pause on that one. Yeah. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day in session and they were telling me that there is just this certain thing that happened in their life that they just didn't feel like they could really talk about. They told me and they had told their spouse and that's, that's the only people he'd ever told. And I said, part of my, in my experience of talking about like turning to an alcohol free life, in my experience, when the more I talked about it, the more comfortable I got, mm-hmm. the more I had the language to use and the less shame I had around the experiences of when it happened. Right. Like exactly. I really lived it. So it's yeah. like the beginning is always the hardest, mm-hmm. but the other thing that happens is the more that you start to vulnerable, like be vulnerable and share the more opportunity you have for other people to meet you where you are and say, I felt that way too. Right. And then in you turn, know? you don't know who you're helping, you know? So that's exactly, it's a, you yeah. know, it's, it's a, it's a wheel. Um, yeah. And then also speaking shame. So are you talking about how you feel and asking for what you need when you feel shame? Shame finds its power in being unspoken. So the better you can communicate your feelings and connect with others, the better you can dissipate the feeling of shame. Mm -hmm. Um, So if someone is vulnerable and deems you as worthy to disclose their shame, trust that they came to you for a reason. They came to you to listen, understand how they're feeling and for connection to be out of shame, 
to get out of shame. Um, they can experience a traumatic event, such as a sexual assault, help connect them with services they may need. Um, in the end, the ability to be shame resilient is the ability to practice authenticity when we experience shame, to move through the experience without sacrificing our values, and to come out on the other side of the shame experience with more courage, compassion, and connection than we had going into it. Yeah, I like that. And I, I, it made me think for a second about one of the tactics, and it's a fine line, but mm-hmm. one of the tactics that I like to use when people are being vulnerable, which obviously I'm in this position all of the time, Yeah, not other people aren't in this position all of the time, but I really like to walk that line between it's no big deal. So they're not embarrassed and it's a big deal. I'm here to help. Right. You. Like, right. Do you know what I mean? Like I want to normalize, validate all at the same time. So I always kind of encourage people when somebody's come to them and they seem embarrassed, shameful, and they're opening up, I would love if people would just go, okay, yeah, it happens. Yeah. No big deal. Wouldn't that, and wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. This sounds like it's really, really tough for you. And I want to be here for you. It's like yeah. that fine line. I like people to be able to walk. Absolutely. And even if you don't have the quote unquote right answer for them, just being a sounding board sometimes goes a long way. Yeah. You know? So just to kind of wrap it up, I think the overarching message is mm-hmm. that everybody experiences shame. I hope people understand the difference between shame and guilt and the way that we've described it. Yeah. And that it, do- it does take courage. It mm-hmm. does take vulnerability to be yeah. able to open up to somebody, but find that person that you can say the hard thing to. It's that first part of saying it. And, and then you really do start to feel relief and healing, self-healing. I've experienced right. it personally, and I've watched it happen mm-hmm. for so many clients I can't even count. Right. And if you don't have a person in your life, like on the personal level, like therapists, there are so many therapists out there that are there to help you. So, you know, yeah. that's, that's always a great, um, great way to, to get some help as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we do have an ask and answer this week. I saw, by the way, that it's from New Orleans. So I just yes. want to give a shout out to New Orleans. <laughs> to your alma mater. <laughs> yeah. So we, we have Brent from New Orleans. He says, hi, Kathy, Dan, and Jess. I have a question for you. I have had a complicated relationship with my dad basically my whole life. He is a man of few words and not easy to get him to open up. I feel that because of this and his lack of emotion, it has affected our relationship. I would like to get to know my dad now that I'm an adult and a father as well. Do you have any tips on how to try and break through his tough exterior so that we can connect more? Yes. Yes, Brent, I do. So one is what are the things about your dad that you enjoy and really focusing on the things that are positive about your relationship and your rapport. And there might, you might have to dig deep. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other is, is there an activity that you guys can do together that you would both enjoy? Sometimes it's easier for people to open up when you're in the middle of playing golf or going to putt putt or, you know, doing some activity like you and I always say football. But yeah. you can't really talk about it well. Um, <laughs> so something like that. I wonder what would happen if he asked his dad, 
you know, point blank, like, I know that you're not, you know, kind of led with a little bit of a joke, like an oversharer, but would you mind if I asked you just some questions, like a 20 questions game, because I'd love to to know some stuff about your childhood and see if with prompts, does dad engage more, you know? And then also look at, we have this idealized, like vision of how we want certain relationships in our life to look. And so sometimes the work is really on yourself to go back and reevaluate how realistic is that you only have control over your own self and what can you learn to appreciate and be grateful for about the relationship that you do have kind of nurture, fertilize, nourish that piece of it. Yeah. That would be off the top of my I agree. Um, I also have a dad that is a man of few words, so I do relate to this. Um, but I, I did the the twenty questions that you did, like you mentioned. Um, yeah, because with, yeah, because because without talking to him, um, I mean, he's just he's so quiet. This is my dad that raised me, not my birth father. Yeah, but yeah. My dad that raised me. He's just he's just really quiet, and you know, and so in order to get anything out of him. You feel like it's, you know, pulling teeth, but so I was like, I have some questions I want to ask. And, and we went through them and I asked him about things about his childhood, you know, favorite, favorite, even favorite things that I didn't even know that he, that he liked. Um, and we do things together that are, that are more so what he, what he would enjoy. Um, I remember growing up, he liked to watch golf. So I would sit on the couch and watch golf with him. You know, I wasn't interested in golf, but I would just do it because my dad liked it. And so that just kind of helps you connect. And now as an adult, my husband likes golf and I, I know enough about golf to have those conversations with my dad. And it's just, even though it's not really a deep level kind of community, you know, conversation, sometimes it's still nice to have that, um, that that conversation with him. So, yeah. I agree. The 20 questions is, is fun. And then he might have some questions for you too. So it could be, right. you know, back and forth. So, all right. Well, thank you to our listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on Apple podcasts. This will help us move up the chart and be more accessible to new listeners. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook, where we will drop tips and information about upcoming episodes. If you have a question for our asked and answered segment, email us at askus at spillingthetherapy.com. Don't forget about our new website, spillingthetherapy.com. We will also continue to add resources and information there as well. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Stay safe out there. We are your hosts, Kathy, Dan, and Jess. And join us next time for our discussion on boundaries. We'll be breaking it down one sip at a time. The podcast you heard today is for educational purposes only and does not replace the advice you may be receiving from a licensed therapist.